before you try anything, before you try anything cosmetic, anything medical, the first thing you got to do is you've got to go see a board certified dermatologist with a good, solid, up-to-date knowledge of female hair loss. Hey guys, I'm Izzy Sapien, a seasoned brand builder in the most elusive and mysterious industry on earth, the glamorous beauty industry. And I'm on a mission to make beauty a better place, starting with this podcast. I've worked in the marketing departments of several major beauty brands and helped build a number of emerging brands from zero to millions. Each week, I'll break down the details of some of beauty's most notorious and untold scandals of today, along with my own personal experiences. But most importantly, my whole reason for doing this podcast is to highlight the beauty and wellness brands, influencers, and trailblazers who are doing it right and deserve a piece of the spotlight. Not to be mistaken for a cancel culture reboot, this well-intentioned tell-all aims to create a space for growth in beauty. I hope you'll join me every week for honest and stripped-down conversations. After all, it's growth that's a thing of beauty. Hey guys, welcome back to A Thing of Beauty. I'm your host, Izzy Sapien, and I'm not even going to come in with jokes or a crazy intro today because Camille Barreto, she's here with me today and she's the founder and CEO of Me Cosmetics, and she is going to school your ass. She's got really, really good stats. She comes from a background in finance and she has a really unique, relatable story about the hair loss she started experiencing in her early 20s the different types of treatment options she went through and what has been now a 20-year battle with hair loss and the physical issues that come along with the stigma surrounding hair loss for women. She launched Me Cosmetics, which is a cosmetic solution to different kinds of hair loss, hair thinning, and small balding spots. And she just recently signed Sheena Shea from Vanderpump Rules as a brand ambassador. So that should just show you, I think, how much more people are ready to bring this topic into the spotlight. Sheena herself deals with hair loss postpartum. That's something that I've dealt with. And her brand is really unique. First of all, you can really tell in the episode that Camille's put her heart and soul into this. She really understands this category that is so new and it's so hard to be a first mover in a category. People don't know where to place you, even just on a website. You know, if you're looking at like something like Ulta, which this would be an amazing fit for, by the way, if anybody from Ulta listens to this episode. And her product literally has a lower than 1% return rate. If you've ever worked in e-commerce, you know that's epic. And she's being nominated for two awards now, one at Glossy and one at Beauty Independent, the Beacon Awards. Woo, go Beacon, go check them out if you have not yet. And I'm going to let her get started and kick off her vision for the future of hair loss because she has dreams. She has a story that I think everybody should be talking about right now. Let's jump right in. Hey, Camille, welcome to A Thing of Beauty. So today we're going to talk about such a great topic. And I think it's something that doesn't get spoken enough about in beauty. And yet your hair is so intrinsically linked to how you feel about yourself as a woman. This goes back many, many, many years. And I want to start off by congratulating you because of your glossy nomination. Thank you. And what category is it for? 
It is for the best breakout startup beauty brand of the year. Wow. That's a good one. Yes. Very excited. Do you know who you run against? We do. Some of the brands I'm very familiar with, some I'm not so much, but it's a really lovely assortment of a variety of different categories. So it's really nice. It's a lovely compliment to be part of that group. Oh, good. Well, I'm rooting for you. I'm very, very much rooting for you. So Camille owns a company called Me Cosmetics, and they do a really interesting cosmetic solution to different kinds of hair loss. Do, do you call it solution or what do you, how do you like to phrase it? Yeah, like a cosmetic solution. So just addressing the, the main beauty concern of our community at this point in time is hair loss, hair thinning, small balding spots, things like that. Yeah, that's what we call it. When I talked to Camille a couple of weeks ago, we were just doing like a little pre-chat and she was talking about how 40 to 50% of women deal with hair loss throughout their life, which is a shocking number. Before I get into it, because I think this is such a relatable conversation for women in a variety of life stages, you know, whether it's pregnancy or whether they're like in that pre-menopausal era or just young people, you know, I see a lot of women on TikTok now with alopecia and it's much more open, but still just very, very difficult to deal with. I want to talk about your background because you have a very interesting background for someone who's now in beauty. So tell us where you started and how you got here. Sure. Thank you for that. So yeah, it's been a journey. I'm in my late 40s, just to give a little bit of context in terms of timelines and stuff. I started out of college in tech, both at a very large tech company, then at a startup that went public in Canada, which is where I lived at the time, and then went to business school and decided to go into finance. So I went to New York for business school and stayed there for a number of years working in finance uh, where I met my husband we moved around a lot. So I got, you know, the opportunity to, to enjoy that experience in a variety of different environments, cultures, because every type of work, you know, especially when you're looking at investments and things like that for high net worth individuals, you will find that there are really big differences between regions. And so it's really interesting to learn these roles, you know, and transition from New York to London to Peru. And so you end up getting really different perspectives. But all along in the process of that, in parallel, in my early 20s, I started losing my hair. And so it was something that has been with me kind of side by side with me as part of my journey for many, many years, like almost two and a half decades at this point. And so all along, I always had this in parallel with what I was doing, this concern and this anxiety about my hair loss constantly throughout, whether it was my personal life or my professional life. So when the opportunity arose to create a company that could actually create a solution that was really effective at concealing hair loss, that was very exciting for me. And I had at that point retired from finance because as I mentioned, we moved and that was primarily due to my spouse's role. So I became what we call a trailing spouse after a couple of moves. And sometimes you, your career can keep up with that and sometimes it can't depending on their line of work. And in my case, it was very difficult after three or four moves. So I ultimately retired from finance. And so that really gave me a window of opportunity to embark on this journey. So that's how I ended up here. It wasn't an intentional, you know, seeking out a world in cosmetics, even though I love this entire business now that I've learned more about it. But I ended up here haphazardly and it's been, it's been a fantastic journey, really supportive community. So I'm really enjoying it. Oh, that is so nice to hear. And I love how you say high net worth individuals. Like that's how you know someone has spent a lot of time with rich people. They don't call them rich people. <laughs> I like that. I like that a lot. So when did you first start noticing? Because I think a lot of people, you know, you can dramatize anything, right? A lot of people say, oh my God, I have the worst acne, blah, blah, blah. And they have like a pimple or whatever. You know, what is real hair loss? Like, was it coming out in clumps? Like, 
when did you notice and when was it a point where you thought other people were noticing? Like it became more of a psychological issue. Right. And that's an excellent point you bring up because there is that one transition that you reach at some point when you finally accept the reality and for better, or for worse, for some people, it doesn't bother them. But for some people, it does, like in my case. And so where you finally accept that it is. And so it's an interesting process because it varies from person to person. So I'll speak to my condition just because mine is a genetic permanent condition called androgenetic alopecia, which is female pattern hair loss. And that form of hair loss presents as diffuse thinning throughout the entire scalp area. So you don't tend to see it falling out in clumps. That tends to be a much more gradual process. So the first steps you feel are, okay, now I've, I like to wear my hair up in a ponytail. Now I've got to wrap the elastic around one more time because it's sliding out, right? You don't really see it so much right away necessarily because it is quite gradual in many cases. In my case, it progressed reasonably quickly within the span of about 18 months, which is a little unusual. So it was just progressive. You know, I would start to notice more and more hair coming out, but not like oh, a big clump. And then I would see more on my pillows, more on my sheets, more on the back of my sweater. You know how you get like those hairs that get caught in the wool sweaters? Coming off your pants and things. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I'd, I would be like fishing them out of like here, you know, kind of everywhere under my arms. They would just be kind of crawling everywhere. So then the day you really realize, well, in my case anyway, but I think this is quite common that your hair has markedly thinned is that you see your part widening and widening and widening. And then you start seeing your scalp through and then you start adjusting your hairstyles. Then you start making adjustments to your lifestyle. If it's something that makes you uncomfortable, again, it doesn't make everybody uncomfortable, but for many of us, it does. And then you start adjusting social activities many times because you're so self-conscious etc, cetera, etc. Cetera. And so it's an interesting evolution, especially when you don't know what's happening nowadays. Because remember, this was back, you know, in the early 2000s, late 90s. And so back then, nobody spoke about this. I mean, I couldn't even find a doctor to diagnose me correctly. It took a number of years for that. So fortunately, the topic has become much more surfaced in society. And so there's a lot more information and access. If you can imagine back then, it was like, who do I talk to? Where do I look? There's no Instagram. There's no Facebook. You know, yeah, we had the internet and everything, but it wasn't so developed. You know, not no DTC so much online stores with beautiful scalp serums or all these different options that people have. So it was really interesting back then because back then I think one felt much more alone perhaps than one would now, although I don't want to put words in somebody else's mouth because maybe some people are still feeling very, very alone now. So it was an interesting process. When I finally was diagnosed back then, there was one treatment option and it was 2% minoxidil, otherwise known as Rogaine commercially. And 2% minoxidil is highly ineffective, but that was all that was available for women because women couldn't use the 5% formula that was available to men. So there were also really limited treatment options back then. And so what I ended up doing was my mom was a tremendous rock for me in that time because I did fall into a pretty deep depression. I lost a lot of weight. You know, and I don't want to be Debbie Downer, but, you know, just I like to give people a little context about kind of the emotional journey sometimes that some of us may go through. And so my mom ended up taking me to a prosthetic hair shop for women who are going through chemotherapy, et cetera. Now, I think the terminology more accurately is called alternative hair 
as opposed to prosthetic hair, but that's what it was back then. And I was using wiglets or toppers, which are kind of partial wigs. They look, they're like these clip-in, usually looks like a toupee for lack of a better word, but with beautiful long hair on it. And they look very lovely now. They've definitely improved now than they have back then. So those were not a great fit for me. So it was a little bit frustrating, but at the same time, I think that that's actually what encouraged me to continue to seek other options, which really didn't exist much back then. I don't think there was much of anything. We didn't have even hair fibers or sprays or anything back then. So I think that's also what has caused me to start thinking about, okay, how can we do this? How can we fix this? How can we conceal this? You know, if it's something that, if that's the path you want to follow as a person experiencing some form of hair loss and that concern really bothers you, then that relentless seeking out of a solution, I think is what ended up getting me here. So in a way, I count my blessings, right? Because if everything had already been perfectly laid out and solved and, or everything was great in one way, and there, then I wouldn't have had this wonderful journey that I've been on. So it's been quite a process. You know, the most interesting part is in the process of the journey, you've got the cosmetic solutions, and then you've got the medical solutions. And the medical journey is the one that takes, for me, it took a long, long time. And I think for most people it does because the hair growth cycle is long, it's slow. And every time you try a new medication, you have to see if it works. You have to deal with the hair shed that happens after you start it. And then you have to wait until all the new hair grows in. So each new medication, and it's largely trial and error for people, just like it is with many medical protocols. You know, some work for some, some work for others, and some just don't work for anybody, you know, or none work for none, none work for you, but it is what it is. And you've got to try these things if you, if that's something that you choose to do, because it's certainly not mandatory, but for those of us who choose that, Every medication takes a good 12 to 18 months to really get a handle if it's going to work for you. And then you incrementally add those over the years as medicine evolves. And next thing you know, it's like 15 years later or 20 years later, you finally have a lot more hair growth. But that's a long time. (laughs) Wow. 15 years. So sometimes if you take a medication, it will make your hair fall out. That's a normal piece of that journey? It is very common for certain medications like minoxidil slash Rogaine or the other medications that you take to cause a hair loss, a big, what we call a hair shed within kind of the first four to six weeks. It can be really distressing. And back then the doctors didn't tell you. What? No, no, no. And so you didn't know. So if you're sitting there and you're trying something and your more hair is falling out, you automatically go into a, you know, a tizzy. You just like go into a spin. Yeah, I mean, I'm just thinking <laughs> about it. Like, you know, if I'm nauseous and they give medication, they're like, you know, don't tell me, okay, this is gonna make you throw up 800 times before you feel a lot better. I'm calling 911. <laughs> 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 I've got a reaction to yeah. this. So the, the flip side is that if, if it is causing a hair shed, oftentimes, and again, I'm not a medical professional, so I, I don't want to dole out medical advice, but you know, oftentimes the personal journey, you learn a lot in, in that process. So while it's not my specific domain, the, you know, generally speaking, it is understood that if that is happening, it's often the case that it's medication that's going to work for you. So it's encouraging. But the problem is once you start seeing the hair shed, you have to kind of hang on to your bridges. (laughs) So I like to say that to people because I think that's one issue that is not spoken of enough. And I think it's really important for people to know that if this is a journey that they're going through in life. Wow. I mean, I think you have to be a really tough person, you know, to go back, you were talking about the stigma, you know, surrounding 
hair loss and and kind of like the psychological aspects of losing your hair, I was looking into this and I read an article in Vogue and they, you know, had a bunch of psychologists and doctors weigh in on women going through chemotherapy. And they were saying, it's actually shocking. A lot of the psychology, and this is not to discount people going through chemo because cancer is very difficult, but a lot of the psychology and, and of the depression they were going through was because of the hair piece. Hair is so linked to the way women feel about themselves and their beauty and their femininity and vitality. And personally, I, I was telling Camille about this, you know, when we talked a couple of weeks ago, I have a friend who I can talk about this because she's okay with it, you know, who's going through chemotherapy. It's known, she, you know, posts about it and things. And I have just physically seen her the hair thing, people have not been weird about her having cancer or anything, you know, because we're young. People have been very weird about the hair piece. Like, you know, she wears a wig everywhere. That's the only age that she feels comfortable. And it's very tough. You know, you can be going through one of the most traumatic things in your life internally. You know, for you, you had an actual medical problem that they were like working at or, or for Natalie going through cancer. And people are staring at your hair and like you're feeling self-conscious about the way you look like that's very destabilizing as a person. And you start to feel like if somebody kept looking at me, even if they weren't looking at that, I would think they were looking at that. I'd be like, are they staring at me? <laughs> that's exactly how you feel. I like to make it akin to as a female, you are very aware when somebody is looking below your face and at your chest area. And it's not dissimilar. It's just in the other direction. So you start to see the eyes gaze and out, you know, and I don't think anybody does it out of ill will back then, especially, but even now back then it was, you know, really unknown what was going on, but uh, for most people and it's, you know, you can see the gaze going, you know? And so what I've decided, and this is everybody's own personal choice, obviously, is that for me, I tried to be very open about it because I think that made people more at ease because you know, I'd say, oh yeah, I got this topper that I'm wearing now and they're a wiglet and, uh, and they're like, oh, cool. And I was like, yeah, do I, you know, I don't know if I should curl it, if I should do bangs. I don't know, you know, so, so that I just tried to make people a little bit more at ease, whether it was talking about the condition or what I was doing to make myself feel comfortable with it. I feel like that is so Canadian of you trying to make other people feel comfortable <laughs> for, for, for being kind of rude. I mean, I know it's not people's fault, you know, physical appearances. I mean, it's something that, I mean, the reason that marketers and beauty make so much money is because of physical appearance, right? Like you can convince people that they're going to be more liked or, you know, fit in better if they look a certain way. And that's very sad, but so, you know, when we're talking about this, one of the reasons I wanted Camille to come on is, well, well one, because we met on Instagram through Claire and, you know, we just get along. We've, we've sort of become like friends, I would say. In, in social media, we're friends. And two, because she's doing something very different. I mean, I think we've seen more recently a lot more of the solution side. Like I know for, I have like Agenator, you know, Jenna Covella, she has like a hair loss serum kind of thing. Vegamore does hair loss, you know, shampoo and things like that. I don't know a lot about the ingredients, frankly. Like I would say hair care is my lowest knowledge point. It's a lot more confusing than skincare or makeup to me, but she's doing something different. I mean, it's not just about, it's about find a personal solution, but also do something that's going to just make you feel a little bit better and more comfortable daily. How did you get there? So from you getting to the point where you had to try all these things and you were doing all the medications and trying to figure out what was wrong with you, how did you get to the point of like, okay, what if I just try something cosmetic? Because at least then daily I wake up and I feel normal, you know? Right. It's very much a process of discovery, as you mentioned, right? It's not like, a, okay, I'm diagnosed, now I'm going to do X, Y, Z. It really, there is a longer process because there are different options, as you mentioned. And there's a lot of science 
that is shared, but there's a lot of information we just don't know as individuals, not as the medical community, but as individuals. And so it takes time really to find your way in the process. So for me, what I started, so back in the day, like I had mentioned, my situation advanced to be quite an advanced situation of hair loss. And so I had chosen to use alternative hair back then. The first medication I started was spironolactone, for example. These are all prescription strengths. So I'm not recommending that people go try these things. Oh, people take it for acne though, right? I feel like they're androgen blockers basically because you have something called DHT, dihydroxytestosterone that circulates in your blood. And that will, from what I understand, and bind to the inside of the hair follicle. And that's what actually starts shutting it down. So this helps reduce the DHT levels in your body. So they're called androgen blockers. And I think it's pretty common, at least for women. I'm not so familiar with men's protocols. So I started with that, you know, and then after two years of that, I saw, a, you know, a bit of an improvement. Then I started a stronger minoxidil, you know, which was at 5%, which was finally allowed for women. Then I got a little bit more hair regrowth, right? And so on and so forth. So if you start layering those different medications on over the years, I was fortunate enough to be in a situation where I was able to regrow enough hair that I no longer felt like I needed to use prosthetic hair. But I still did not have a lot of hair. I mean, I still used the little, you know, baby elastics, the little transparent ones to do it for a ponytail. Like that's what I use, you know? So, so we're not talking, I didn't have to worry about wrapping the elastic around anymore. Cause I didn't even, I couldn't even use those elastics. <laughs> they were too big. So I had to use the little ones. So, you know, but I got to a point where I said, okay, like here, I've got enough that because I did not particularly like alternative hair. And back then I think it was very different than it is now. So I haven't tried the more recent versions, but I can only assume that they've advanced significantly. But to your point, I've, I've heard from friends that it's still kind of uncomfortable. Like, you know, it's very hot and it can be very itchy and things like that. So I know it's not the easiest thing to come to terms with when you have to do it every day. Exactly. And like everything in life, you know, you've got some sacrifices you have to make for the sake of other things. And so you choose what's important to you and what makes you feel better. At the end of the day, you've got to, you've got to do you, Right. And so for some people, they love it. I mean, the the, the thought of medications and putting makeup on my head and things like that for a number of people is like, oh, forget it. You know, I'd rather put on this beautiful hairpiece that I have, you know, and I have fun changing hairstyles. So it kind of depends on the person. But for me, it was not a good fit. It was itchy. It was hot. I didn't like it. It was painful for me as well because they had these little clips back then that would clip into your hair. But when you don't have much hair, it's pulling on very little hair that you have. So I just, it wasn't a good fit for me. So then, you know, The funny thing is, so there was one infomercial, I think back in the 80s or 90s, that was this spray that people literally looked like a can of spray paint that people would spray. And it was an infomercial for spraying hair on your, like, you know, to conceal your hair loss. So I had already, like, at some point in my life, I mean, that's not something I was going to entertain. And I think this was many years later anyway, but... I had already seen like, oh, at least there's a concept of I can conceal this, right? And I was like, huh. And so that little kind of seed was in my head. And over the years, I was always like, how can I hide this? You know, you try with different hairstyles, you try different things, try changing your hair color, try different haircuts, styling it differently, different products, whatever. But at the end of the day, I said, you know, I love makeup. I love skincare. And I walk into any beautiful skincare section or beautiful makeup section. And these are big places, right? And there is nothing. And I said, how many eyebrow fillers do we have yet? We don't have compelling cosmetic solutions. 
So I started looking around and back, you know, YouTube was around and these things. So I started looking and it, all the makeup artists were saying, oh yeah, we just use eyeshadow. So, you know, I started going and getting eyeshadow and I tried the sprays and then the fibers came out and there are different options out there, mainly sprays, some root covers and some hair growth, like not, not hair growth fibers, like hair fibers that you kind of spray in. It's like kind of like Tubi mascara or like what, what is it? In a way they're like keratin or silk or something fibers. Oh, and they're so thin. You can just spray them in there or something. Yeah. So they have like a well-known brand is called Topic. There are a bunch of others that have come out since then, but that's, I think the most, the most well-known. You've got the root covers that are in the form of spray, which is nice in terms of, it seems very convenient, but at the same time, there's a reason we don't spray foundation onto our faces, right? You can't control what you're putting. You can't blend. You can't buff. There's not a lot of control when you're leaving it to the devices of a spray can. And then the, the fibers, like I mentioned, those weren't a great fit for me. I know they work for a number of people. But I found them to be quite expensive. That's a common issue that comes up. Again, you can't control. You've got this little like bottle where you do this manual spray it's like a little ball that you... Oh, like an old school perfume. Yeah, exactly. And it like kind of sprays it out. And again, you can't buff, you can't blend. You, so they obviously they exist because they work for certain people, but I wanted something better, right? And I was like, no, like I don't do this for my face. I don't do this for my eyelashes. I don't do this, you know, so let's find something that's more nuanced and more elegant. And so when I was thinking, okay, people are taking these eyeshadows. So, but when I put foundation on my face, I don't use an eyeshadow side pan. I don't use a flat eyeshadow brush. I don't use those things. So I said, okay, what works on our large areas, large surface areas of our body, whether it's body makeup or face makeup, et cetera. And how can I apply some of those key concepts along with the learnings of what I've experienced over the years trying to conceal hair loss and then started really working on figuring out, you know, how I wanted things like this to ideally be, right? Even though I was still not entertaining launching a cosmetics company at that time. But, you know, you're, you're, the wheels start cranking and you're just like, oh, I wish it were this and I wish it were that. Because <laughs> it's just kind of clunky the way it was done, you know, when you're using things that weren't intended for this use and using it in that way, whether it's a root cover or an eyeshadow or whatever. So... So it was really interesting. Ultimately, I ended up using eyeshadows for, you know, a number of years. And I ended up dyeing my hair brown because to find, because my, I'm naturally like an ashy blonde. Well, I was just going to ask, because now you have red, it's red, right? Or like a, like a brownie, auburny kind of color. It's color 6.3 from Olea box. <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's very beautiful, but I would not have been able to find an eyeshadow that color that didn't have like glitter or something like that, you know, and that would be, I definitely don't want glitter on my scalp. Like that would be rave everyday style. And that's the funny thing. So you, I ended up matching my hair to the colors I could find because things weren't designed to match hair. Right. And so I literally dyed my hair to match the eyeshadows that I could find that were, you know, and so I was a much darker brown back then because that was just the easiest one. Because if you also have to buy, I would go through one eyeshadow every four or five days. So I can't even imagine I going to the hairstylist and then being like, what color do you want? And then you pulling out like Mac cocoa brown, eyeshadow. <laughs> like whatever color this is. Oh, that would bomb me out so much. And so you're naturally blonde. Like a dark blonde. Yeah. Wow. Well, now with a lot of gray, but Yes. But does that make it harder? So then if you had lighter hair, then you would, you know, your scalp would have naturally been 
more visible, right? If you have lighter hair or, or what it, did it blend better that make it easier or harder? The darker hair made it better just because it was easier to match, right? And I think a lot of it has to do more with the contrast between your skin tone and your hair tone. Because if you have a dark skin tone and a dark hair tone, you might not notice it so, so much, or it might take longer for you to notice it, the hair loss, I mean. Whereas if you have, you know, a darker skin tone and lighter hair color, you might be able to see more or vice versa. If you're really light hair, I mean, light skin tone and dark hair, the contrast between those two colors, when you're looking at it, you can really see it, right? So people do play around with their hair colors and things like that. But that's, you know, that was kind of the journey of what I was trying out. I tried everything. I mean, call me vain, call me stubborn, call me both. (laughs) Find me. (laughs) I think of all the skincare and makeup talks that I've had, this is the most realistic. Like, frankly, there are many times where I'm like, I'm not going to put on makeup today, like whatever. There's been very few times in my life where I won't just at least brush my hair. You know what I mean? Like to me, that is like an incredibly difficult thing to deal with. And just the idea of a good hair day, right? Like, you know, everything behind that, it's like, it's so ingrained in the culture of like, I've even heard, I don't know the exact saying, but it's just like, this is mean. So no one repeat this and no one say this ever to a woman because it's not nice to say, but like people will be like, oh, well, she just has good hair. Like you you don't even need to be pretty. Like she has good hair or whatever. Like it's such a thing that's linked, like even say above your actual physical appearance, the symmetry of your face to your femininity. So I don't think it makes you vain at all. I think this is one of the most difficult things somebody could deal with as a woman who's not dealing with, you know, something horrible. And like I said, you know, I'll find that report and I'll link it for you guys. But basically the psychologists were like, yeah, the hardest part of a lot of, you know, these cancer patients was the hair loss. Like it was so hard for them to walk around every day living in this, you know, situation. So I don't think it makes you vain at all. I think it's like very, very relatable. Back to what you're saying, like there were different types of hair loss. So like yours is a, you said like a hormone linked, like a actual medical condition. Yeah. So the word alopecia isn't a diagnosis. It's a symptom, right? So it's like, weight loss. Weight loss isn't a diagnosis. Weight loss is a symptom of things, right? So the word alopecia isn't actually a diagnosis in itself. There are lots of different types of alopecia, which are the diagnosis, right? So the type I have, I think largely you can put them into kind of two big groups. One, and again, I'm not a medical professional. So if I say anything wrong, please somebody correct me. But I think this is pretty sound information is that you've got scarring alopecias and non-scarring alopecias, which means that the follicle has been scarred over or not scarred over, which implies or results in whether or not that hair can ever grow back or not. So I don't know exactly which ones are which. So I don't know all of the dye. That's intense. So there are people, cause you know, like I was talking about TikTok, there's a girl I follow on TikTok and she's, you know, fully bald and she has no eyebrows and things like that. I just always thought it was a choice. Like I thought, you know, if you start losing your hair, sometimes people just shave their head, but it, there's a possibility for somebody like that, that their hair just could never grow back because of what's happened. Yeah, from my understanding is scarring alopecia. So those I don't know a lot about because it's not the type of hair loss I have. So I won't speak to those other than what I just said. The non-scarring alopecias are the ones like I have, which is one of the types, there are many of them, but things like androgenetic alopecia, which is what I have, which is a, a genetic condition that's permanent. It's the same thing that causes hair loss in men. It just tends to present differently in women. So we don't tend to get that complete hair loss of a receding line where you have no hair whatsoever, complete baldness or complete, you know, baldness up in the top of the crown. 
what we tend to have is diffuse thinning all across the entire scalp, especially kind of like the crown area. So that's the type that I have. And fortunately, that is a non-scarring alopecia. So there are a number of medical treatments available. So, you know, it's really important. And this is what I always tell people before you try anything, before you try anything cosmetic, anything medical, any non-medical serum, et cetera, et cetera, because there's so many options. It's really overwhelming. It's exciting because there are actually options, which there were not 25 years ago. So I'm not going to complain, but it's a little overwhelming. So I always tell people the first thing you got to do is you've got to go see a board certified dermatologist with a good, solid, up-to-date knowledge of female hair loss, because they're not all dermatologists are alike, right? So you've got, we're not all created equal and the same thing goes with any sort of medical professional. And so it's really important to find people who are up-to-date because the treatments have been improving and changing. Even in the last two years, the reason I have as much hair as I have now, which I have not seen in 25 years on my head, is because of two new treatment protocols I started in the last 18 months. So, you know, these things are constantly evolving and improving. There's also even more relatable pieces to it, right? Like postpartum hair loss is something a lot of people suffer. I'm going to post a picture when this episode comes out because I actually didn't notice this till somebody said something to me. And it's very clear, like they're growing back now. Obviously, my baby's 15 months. So like I have like the little babies here on the side, but it was fully like up here. It was kind of like a two bald patches. It was two bald patches. And I'm a big believer in a, in a power bun. So it was a lot of people could see it. I never thought about it or noticed. And then you have two people I know in makeup, I worked in makeup for a long time. A lot of people, you know, when they do slick back ponytails or whatever, use products like this just to cover up their scalp area so that their hair does just appear thicker or it's more photographable. Or to like even out the hairline. Yeah, a lot of yeah. People, a lot of people don't have, it's like our, you know, like all of our favorite body parts, whether it's our eyebrows or our ears or our breasts, you know, things yeah. are not equal. <laughs> so a lot of times the hairline is also higher on one side or you've got like a, you know, I know a lot of people have like here, it goes back in the middle and then on the side, it's deeper on one half than it is on the other. So a lot of people, exactly to your point, love to use these types of cosmetic products for certain hairstyles, even if they don't particularly have a very advanced, progressed kind of diffuse hair loss, but they want to do certain like hairstyle. Like if somebody has fine, we have a lot of people who use our products who don't even really have a tremendous amount of hair loss. They just have really fine hair or thin hair and they've always had that. So if they want to A, give it a bit more oomph, this is great for that. Or if they want to do a certain hairstyle, like when you want to do like an updo, but the front part of your hair is lifted off of the scalp as opposed to slicked back on the scalp. If, if you don't have a lot of hair, you can see right through, especially if you're in a place where you've got lights, like set lights or anything like that, you know, or at a dinner in a restaurant, and you've got those halogen lamps over. Those are, those are the, the hated halogen lamps for everybody who has hair loss. You get into a restaurant <laughs> and you sit under a halogen lamp and you're like, and it's like this spotlight that just shines, boom, right off of your scalp. <laughs> So for things like that, you know, so it doesn't even necessarily, um, so a lot of people will do it for those types of things as well. Exactly. Like you're saying, just small areas of concern for particular hairstyles. Wow. I love that. Okay. So you, you know, you're talking about because there's been cosmetic solutions for a while, they just weren't really one very easy to use or what was the word that you used that I really like? Elegant. I love that. I think that's a good way to describe it. How do you go about marketing a product in sort of like an innovative or young category? What's the best way to show people what it can do and who it's for? 
Those are fantastic questions. I can tell you're a marketer because, <laughs> because that's that's honestly the biggest challenge, right? A, it's a product category that doesn't really exist. When you go into Sephora online is when you do the drop down menus. Is there hair loss? Consi- no, you know, you've got eyebrow fillers, you got mascaras, you have all these wonderful, amazing beauty products that I love, but there's no particular. So you're dealing with a product category that doesn't really exist. You know, so you'll have some root covers who say they'll conceal some bald spots, but they're root covers. They're not scalp foundations, right? And so that's a big part is first making people aware that there is a solution to a problem that doesn't have a category for it yet. So you've got to you've got to do a lot of groundwork of educating, not educating people, but I'm saying educating this uh, in the sense of awareness around this issue so that A, you form a connection with people who are experiencing it because a lot of times they're not talking about it with anybody. So to the extent that you can, especially social media makes this so powerful because a person can, in a way that's not overwhelming emotionally for them, because it's one thing to go into a store you know, and say out loud, you know, I'm experiencing hair loss or I'm uncomfortable with the way my hair looks. That That's a big, I don't know if I'm, I'll speak to my own journey, but I think it's pretty common. To me, that moment of acceptance when you're actually saying it out loud, it's a big moment, right? And so some people aren't really quite ready for that if they're really just noticing it and they're suffering alone and suffering in silence. And so social media makes it a lot easier. So I'm really fortunate that we have these platforms available to us, whether it's TikTok's your jam. You know, you'll see me doing my goofy stuff on TikTok. <laughs> I love TikTok is the best, but I love, I love your TikToks. I think it's such an authentic way to just share things. And also I think it's easier to touch people when you can be funny and relatable. Like it's not dark. Yeah. So yeah. So once you've kind of like put it out there, people who have a concern about this because not some people don't care and that's cool too. I'm like, Oh, I wish I had that strength, but I don't, <laughs> <laughs> you know, once people see, okay, like, Oh, look, there's somebody has what I have. Oh, now I can put a name to it. Oh, wait now, you know, so that you can start really forming that bond and that, that community, that journey is side by side with people. So that makes things easier in the sense that you can do it in a way that's not overwhelming for them. If they want to come find you, and usually they're looking for solutions, they'll find you. Right. And so that's, so you got to make your product discoverable. So that's really important because people don't know where to go because they don't even know what they're looking for. You know what I mean? They've got the problem. They're not quite sure what the solution or, or options for solutions. This is certainly not the only solution, but it's, you know, what I, I consider for me to be by far the best. And then, you know, you've got to find ways to explain to people how it works, right? And so, because you'll be like scalp foundation or whatever you want to call it, give it the name that you want, but that doesn't mean much to people. They know what the word scalp means and they know what the word foundation means, but they don't understand what a scalp foundation is in the beginning. Once you explain it, you know, and you've got to find creative ways to get the point across because you're not, people aren't going to sit there and listen to you for an hour every time, you know, they have a question about this, that, or the other. So you've got to be able to get those messages across very quickly. So you've got to make it, you know, very clear what you're doing. You've got to make it, you know, very quick in terms of explaining and showing people. And to me, the proof is in the pudding. The beauty of these types of color cosmetics is that you can see a visual difference. They, you know, it's different than skincare, for example, which of course has amazing, you know, before and afters and things like that. But when you're, when you've got 15 seconds to show somebody something, this lends itself very well to showcasing that. So 
that makes things a little bit easier as well. And then what we really like to do as well is help people understand the application process, because that is something that is very different, right? For a lot of folks, it's like the first time you do your winged eye or the first time you decide to, you know, blow dry your hair and you can't figure out how to blow dry the back, right? Oh, (laughs) yeah. I round brush is still enemy number one for me. <laughs> exactly. The one that's been stuck there since 1966 because it can't get it out. Exactly. <laughs> it's all tangled up. But yeah, so it's so you've got all these different steps that you've got to kind of get through and convey those messages to the audience because you really want to be out there. Like the nice thing about something like this is that you have so much passion about doing it because you know how good it makes you feel and how good it can help a lot of people feel to wear these types of cosmetic solutions, whatever your beauty concern is. I'm not just going to speak to my own, but you know, so, you know, that's been really interesting to figure out how do we convey these messages out there? And it's a lot of trial and error. And, you know, right now we're, we're marketing to women, but eventually we do have a number of men who buy our products. And so eventually, you know, we're going to start doing campaigns for men, but you know, if you got to do one thing at a time and just try to figure out what the best way to convey the message is, the clearest way to explain to people what you're doing and the, you know, a very quick and easy way to show people how to do it. And, and when you're a new brand, it's also people don't know you, right? I'm not a person who comes from this industry. I'm not a celebrity. I'm not a person who's recognizable for anyone. So, you know, you also have to be able to convey a pretty serious amount of knowledge very quickly as well, because people are going to wade through the BS pretty quickly, right? So, so like if I see hair loss ads for, then there are umpteen thousand medications or we'll call them non-prescription protocols because it's not a regulated market, right? So, like supplements and stuff. So you'll have a lot, a lot of options. I don't even know all of them, but they're out there. And it's great that we have so many options. It's awesome. But I can see right away when an ad is kind of like, it's not going to resonate with me because it looks like nonsense, right? You know, for example, there'll be like a hair growth serum. And I can't even remember which one it was. I'm not here to call people out at all. But the before and afters they would show was absurd, right? It was like, a woman with advanced progress hair loss, like mine was. And then all of a sudden the after is her hair down to her butt. And she looks like some, you know, Venezuelan beauty queen with this gorgeous head of hair. And I'm like, I don't think so. (laughs) So you also have to be really careful about the way because you've got to make a connection with people, especially people who are dealing with this, because they're going to cut right through the BS pretty quickly. And you also have, I think, a moral obligation to be very concise and clear about what you can and can't do and not promise things that you can't do because people are already going through so much emotional distress, oftentimes and anxiety with regard to hair loss that we as a community owe it to them to make sure that what we're saying is not BS, right? Like you've got to be very, very accurate about what you're saying and not over promise. So, you know, if somebody says, oh, I have like, sometimes they're not quite sure what shade to pick, right? And or what to do. And, you know, they'll send pictures through, which is awesome. It's really helpful for our customer team. So you'll take pictures and match them. Yeah. 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 So people aren't quite sure. The shades are super forgiving. So you don't have to worry so, so much. Like I can use three and sure one looks better than the others, but they all look just fine. You know, sure. Especially at the root, you know, some people have darker roots or, you know, whatever. That's the thing. Yeah. So if I, if I don't have a regular, sh- I think I put on the darker color today, <laughs> grabbed whichever one I had. And you can't see it at all. I mean, even just like in the Zoom era, like I feel like this is an incredibly beneficial thing. Like, you know, like if I was covering this up, I'd actually feel a lot better right now. And like, I do this so much, you know, I'm on Zoom all the time and it would make me feel instantly better. Like just a quick, easy 
win. <laughs> yeah. Well, and this is, this is really like for us, when I look at this product, I don't look at it as like a nice to have for many of us. Once you find it, if it's your jam, if you like it, you love how it performs, you love how it makes you feel. If that's the case, it becomes like your go-to, right? So, you know, there's those things, like you just said, like there are certain things that you feel unease about. And so you want to address those. And for some people, it's, I don't leave the house without makeup or I don't leave the house without mascara or I don't leave the house without lipstick. For me, it's, I do not leave the house without two things on my skin, right? One is my SPF will literally cause me a panic attack to go outside if I realize I don't have it on. And then two, ask my family, it's embarrassing. <laughs> I'll be like, nah. No, two, I, I feel that way about SPF, yeah. Yeah, and two is my scalp foundation. Other than that, whatever, right? So it's for, the, the nice thing as well is that for a lot of people, it becomes like their real go-to. So it ends up for me reducing the amount of prep time for anything because if I have my scalp foundation on, I feel like I've got, this whole boost of confidence. It feels like my super shield, right? And so it's like part of me almost it's like leaving the house without my underwear. I just wouldn't do it, right? Well, not to say that you can't, I wouldn't. <laughs> <laughs> but oh nothing wrong. I know, I know some people love to, um, but it's a very powerful type of product. So when you've got the right fit, you get a real, really good connection with your customers. And so you want to make sure that they've got the right shades, that they know how to apply properly. So you've got to get all of that information. You've got to get it right because you're dealing with people's emotions and you've got to be very careful about not misleading people or, you know, if they've got the wrong shade or if they're not comfortable with the shade that they have, even if it looks great, you know, you've got to make sure that everybody's really happy. And so we will send out new shades. Like we, we really try to make the customers feel at ease in a safe place and trying things risk-free because a lot of people have also tried a lot of things and have been disheartened by the results, not because those things aren't good things, it probably just wasn't a good fit for them. And it's expensive, but, you know, health insurance doesn't pay for these things. They don't consider hair loss a medical condition. Really? <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, maybe I, not, no insurance I've seen so far. So they'll, if it's like due to an underlying medical condition, they'll treat that. But if it's, they'll pay for the medications for that underlying condition. But if the hair loss is the condition, somebody correct me if I'm wrong. And if so, please share your information about insurances. But as far as I know, you know, I haven't come across an insurance that will pay for things like that. So it becomes quite expensive, right? And so, you know, it's, you've got to get that marketing perfect, you know? And so we're really working to, clearly isn't perfect yet, but we're working really hard on always just iterating and figuring out what's getting it, the message to the customers in a way that is really compelling for them and makes them feel at ease and not creating more anxiety for them. I love, I love how you talk about, I wish more people felt this way about marketing. You know, delivering on a brand promise should always trump getting customers, right? Because if you get the wrong customers and you're not going to sell them something that's going to work, one, they're going to hate you and they're going to tell everyone how crappy your shit was. And they're going to be very upset. Versus if you can easily deliver a brand promise like confidence, that's such a positive emotion for people, they'll come back. They'll come back again and again. And, and they'll tell people, they'll be like, I got this thing. You know, it wasn't even expensive. And, and I just feel so much better. I do it every day now, whatever. People talk about, especially women talk about stuff like that with other women. A hundred percent, a hundred percent for the better or for worse. Like if you don't do what you said, you're going to do, like you said, you're going to get, you know, destroyed out there. Rightfully so. You shouldn't mislead people, you know, unless it was an honest mistake. But if you're not doing, you sh this should not be an honest mistake. You should have at least that much sorted out yeah, <laughs> before yeah. you launch a brand. And then on the other side is if they love it, 
they'll tell a lot of people. So it's been interesting not being from this space. I'm learning things all the time and I didn't know exactly what the typical return rates are for things. And they vary obviously by category and by sales channel, et cetera. But for an online like DTC only color cosmetics company with a product category that doesn't really exist yet that they're selling, I would have expected a pretty high return rate because we have we have a full money back guarantee, right? So because we would just want people to, I'm not here to create more stress for people, right? So it's like, I want you to try it stress-free. But that's incredibly nice. I mean, this stuff is, it's expensive. I mean, like, you know, beauty brands now suffer a lot of problems. Like, you know, rising digital advertising costs is a huge piece of it. There's so many things. Minimum order quantity is such a huge piece. Like there's so many pieces. So a money back guarantee, I have not seen an indie brand do that in a, in a while. <laughs> <laughs> but we do. And the great thing is, so we've been, we launched what, seven months ago almost? Wow. And it's only been seven months. Mm-hmm. And our return rates, 1%. I was shocked. I still like to this day, I'm kind of like holding on to my chair waiting, right? Cause I'm like, this can't be, but I think that that is, it's a really pleasant surprise. I, I can't say I'm so surprised because I know exactly how life-changing it has been for me and for many people who are close to me to have this type of cosmetic concealer available for women who are concerned about hair loss. But it's been really nice. Oh, 1%. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So I always say the proof is in the pudding. You know, if you want to see if the water, the products are waterproof, well, then I'll jump in a pool for you, right? If you want to run my arm under the water, whatever we got to do, because we got to show you what it does. And the great thing is, I think we've clearly made commitments and made selling points that are claims, better said, that are substantiated, which they are because we do consumer testing and lab testing and things like that. But it's clearly been correct because people are not feeling like they were misled because they're not returning things saying, oh, this isn't doing what you told me it would do. So I think we've done a good job. And this is really what you get to do when you are run by a group of people who have all experienced this type of situation, right? Because it's really, and I don't like to use the word authentic because it's a little overused. It's been a true testament. And we've received emails from customers who literally have said, I just wanted to share with you how much you've changed my life. You know, and I never set out thinking that Camille Barreto was going to change people's lives and leave this planet a better place other than for my little microcosm of whatever. But it's the reception has been huge. Ton of influencers have been posting and we've been doing a lot of influencer seating campaigns. There's such a great community. You know, I didn't know any of these people. So and it's hairstylists, makeup artists, lifestyle, people who were just super cool who said, you know, I've been dealing with this and I found this and I'm going to share this with the world. And we haven't actually given them anything other than the products with zero expectations. Like it's, you know, try it out. If you love it, great. And if not, that's cool too. And especially if there's something you don't like about it, I'd love to hear, right? You did it all on no commitment gifting. Correct. Zero. Wow. That's very organic. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you're not going to see our account blow up overnight from 4,000 to 50,000, you know, because we don't have those types of marketing resources. But what you see is genuine growth, right? It's really people who have found us because they're looking for something or they've heard about something. So that's been really great. And we're about to announce in the next week and a half, a big brand ambassadorship that I will just leave the teaser there. (laughs) I love a cliffhanger. We were talking about this earlier and this is just going to be huge. I think it's going to be huge really excited. So that that obviously is a partnership that we support financially, but we're so excited. Like it's just been really fun to see your baby kind of come to life. And more importantly, because it's not about me, right? It's about how you make people feel. And that's why you do these things. You know, yes, you want to make money. Of course you want to do those things. I mean, we're all capitalists at the end of the day, but it's 
it makes you feel so much better when you're doing it and making people feel whole much better about yourself. And then we're also starting some wholesale partnerships, very small ones. I haven't only from responding to inbound requests. We're not actually looking yet. I'm pretty much. But retailers have have reached out. That's great. Yeah. So it's like more boutique, small places, which is fantastic. It's just a really great community of people that are out there really spreading the word. And I think over time, unfortunately, with what happened at the Oscars, how did you feel about that? You know, as somebody who has been through something like that, I guess it also depends on your view of what's acceptable comedy and what isn't. And I think that's personal for people. I'm pretty open. You can say a bunch of things about me. And, you know, I understand the the Oscars. I mean, the things we saw in the Oscars 20 years ago, the jokes, you know, it's like, so for those of us maybe who are even older, it didn't bother me in the sense that, you know, I, I wasn't mad. I found it in poor taste, frankly, especially because she was right there. And she, you know, she, it's not like, it's not like it's something that, is funny, right? And so it was kind of like, oh, you could have picked something better. But I will say, I was actually in the end, I said, you know what? This has been one of the best services that we could do for people experiencing hair loss. Not because it shouldn't have been done that way, but as a result, so many more women now feel like they have a voice or somebody can relate to them, right? And so I think it will prove to be really good that has been elevated. I don't like the way it was elevated. <laughs> wasn't mad about it. I was just like, oh, like she did, rolled my eyes. I was just like, really, dude? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, no, I mean, it's interesting. I mean, the fact that he's now had to step down from the Academy, right? He He's no longer a member, I believe. I think Will Smith, right? Yeah, which is... Yeah, and I was referring to... Oh, I'm not even talking about Will Smith's reaction. <laughs> <laughs> that, I'm not even going to entertain because that was ridiculous. But... <laughs> It was, it was crazy. That was insane. Honestly, that was way too far, but I was referring more to Chris Rock, you know, and it's in his form of view. Yeah. Chris Rock, his, his form of comedy has always been like that too. I, I would not say it was like outside of. No, it know. didn't surprise me. I was just no, like, it was not surprising. That's a good way to say it. It was not surprising. Where would it be the best place? Cause I, frankly, when you were talking about hair loss, I didn't even know you went to a dermatologist. If you had hair problems, I wouldn't have even thought about where to go. I would have Googled it. I would have been like, I'm losing my hair. Where do I go? Do you envision your product retailing in something like that? Or where, where is it best fit? Cause I, I could totally see your point. If I'm on Ulta.com, I'm clicking down. What category would I look for to find something like this? Well, that's exactly what I want to change. My goal, and God willing, it'll be my company's, my company's products, part of the, the selection. But my goal is to leave this planet knowing that I walk into any retailer online, in physical, wherever, and there is a clear section for hair loss concealers or different ways to address hair loss concerns, right? Because it doesn't always need to be a concealer. So that's what I want to see. Now, how we get there, it's going to be a long slog to get there, but I think we can do it, right? I'm pretty confident we can get there. So anybody out there at the retailers who hears me, start building that shelf and leave a little space for us <laughs> or big space, <laughs> a big, a big space. Yeah. Big space. A big space. So, you know, with retailers, you've got to be retail ready. You know, when you start a business at my age, you, you've been around the ringer a few times, right? This isn't your first time, as we say here in Texas to the rodeo. So, but in any case, so, you know, you've got to make sure you are very ready to do what you're about to do. And anybody who spends more than three minutes understanding this whole business is if you're going to go into retailers, especially at scale, you got to be ready because you do not, I mean, I do not want to not meet expectations on the other side. So our supply chain is really solid. We're, you know, we're working on a lot of great things, but we want to make sure that we do it when we're ready. 
So I don't see us doing that probably for in 2022, but probably for 2023, I could see us going in that direction. We're starting to explore things now, but I don't think we'd get anywhere for the next year or two. So I think it's great in retail. You know, I'm just thinking of like all the times I did a makeover for an event on somebody, how much they would say something like that. You know what I mean? Like just complain like a a very, like, oh, I just don't know if I like how my hair turned out. I feel like this is really tight and like whatever, like just, you know, fixing up the, fixing up the roots and everything. I've been like, you're ready, go. (laughs) Well, the roots, and it's also really good root cover, which we didn't, make it for that reason, but we actually have a bunch of people who buy it because they say it's so much better than any root cover out there. Because if you consider root covers are often either a spray, which I mentioned some of the challenges, they work, obviously they sell because they work for people. So I don't want to say they're not. I know, but I can't even imagine like, it's reminding me of like spray cheese. Like, (laughs) I don't know how you control that. I've tried them. They were not a good fit for me, but you know, clearly they work for some people, but you know, the ones that are the small palettes, for example, that come in like, it's like the size of an eyeshadow with a little brush, everything like that. So if you're covering a whole lot of grays, that's going to take a while. So our products have been really good for that as well. So a lot of people are using it, like you just said, just to touch up before they leave. A friend of mine, she goes, Camille, you have no idea. Your products just did me a massive solid before I walked into a board meeting because <laughs> she didn't, hadn't done her roots and she has a thick head of hair, you know? So it's- no, I'm just thinking about all the times where I'm like, oh my God, like somebody wants to have dinner tonight, whatever. Like my, you know, my hair looks like shit, like whatever. Or it's just an easy, like, you know, I think like with dry shampoo and then like dry shampoo can like, if your hair is oily, kind of make it clumpy, like it's drier, but it's clumpy. So like filling in the spots, like, you know, very simple. Yeah. So it's, it's quick and easy. So I find that I think it's going to be a great addition to retailers lineups when it's the right time. Yeah, no, I think that's great. Okay. A couple of the questions you were talking about the industry, you know, beauty is a very small industry. Are there any other brands, people influence or anything that you really respect? If you had to like put a collab out there or something, or just people that you, you know, enjoy talking with who've been helpful on your journey? Oh, that's, there's so many. It's such a good question because I love sharing resources that have been helpful because I think there's plenty of room for us all to succeed. So I will happily share anything that I find. So if you ever have questions, guys, just hit me up with an email and I will get back to you. But the key people, you know, first you've got the folks who are industry experts. So, you know, whether it's skincare or hair care, et cetera. And so there, you know, it's a lot of the dermatologists who are posting a lot more about hair loss, which is great. So, you know, you learn not, I don't need to learn much about the medical conditions from them, but I like to see, you know, how are they expressing this or sharing this with their audience? What's resonating with people? And it's obviously talking to them as well to see, you know, what are you hearing? What are people's concerns? Like, what do you think? So that community has been very helpful for me in terms of information and access to details and contacts and information. I would say the podcast, the beauty podcasts that are now, they're great. You know, you're part of a a newer crowd within it, which is awesome. Every time I would listen to whether it's, you know, Jackie Johnson over in Attribute or Sarah and Sarah Tan and uh, Kirby Johnson over at Los Angeles, the folks over at Fat Mascara, you know, they'll have guests on that will really give you different nuggets of information, whether it's about the beauty industry, whether it's about the, the economics of the beauty industry, whether it's about marketing, whether it's about how to work with influencers, you know, and not every, every, every episode is going to be relevant, but you oftentimes will find just a little nugget. So I found that the beauty podcasts for me have been a fantastic source of information and not because you work there, but because it really is the case. <laughs> the Indie Beauty Media Group has been fantastic for a person coming in as an indie founder, especially if you don't come from this business, 
the first event I ever went to in beauty was the Indie Beauty Expo and the, I think it was the Summit X or X Summit, I can't remember what it's called. That was in January, 2020 in LA. And it was fantastic, right? So you can see a lot of information is released on all the different channels that you guys have. So whether it's the webinars during the pandemic, you know, you oh my God, Nader's going to love this. I'm going to have to close this for him. He's like obsessed with his webinars. <laughs> they're, they're really good. I mean, honestly, you know, like you say, you know, we're all busy people. We've got a lot to do. And for me to go spend an hour of my day listening to a webinar, there's got to be worth it because I could get sucked into that vortex of listening to 5,000 webinars, right? And so uh, you got to be really discerning. And those have honestly been some of the most informative in terms of like just the substance of the content and the quantity of the content it was fantastic. So those have all been, if people are looking for like, where do I get information or what, how do I start if I want to start a brand, you know? Those folks have been really fantastic, you know, and then the, the beauty podcast now have started reaching out, which is really exciting. Once you start guesting and people hear you, then they want you to guest, you know, especially if you're good and you know a lot about this. And it's just such an interesting category. That's just, there's not a lot of people who want to get up and talk about it. That's the thing. Exactly. You know, and so there are just so many avenues now that you can acquire information. Like I remember I listened to like the reason we are all set up on skim links, right? I mean, did I, had I even heard of that? Gosh, no. Right. I didn't know what that was. And that for people who don't know, it's basically affiliate marketing programs for digital publications. So when you click on a link on a website of a publication for products, it will say, you know, we often receive affiliate, whatever, blah, 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 income from this. And it's because you've got this technology that you get set up on this. And you know why I did that? Not because anybody told me to, but because I was on a clubhouse once where Bryce- Oh, clubhouse. Yes. Yeah. Which, which was awesome, by the way. It was. At, at its time. I don't know if that platform's going to be around much longer. But. <laughs> I know. I know. But that original pandemic era, it was so easy to connect. I remember Indy Lee, I heard her doing a- um like a talk on Clubhouse. And I just forgot because I hadn't seen her in years. And I was like, oh, man, I forgot how inspiring this person is. Just when she gets up there and talks, yeah, for just 10 minutes. And I'm like inspired again. <laughs> I just showed I just showed Izzy that I have my, my indie lease. Uh, is that Mr. the CoQ10? Is that that one? Yes, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> my mister. I love her products and I love her. She's such a nice person too. Yeah. So that was because like Bryce Gruber, who's a, a pretty well-known influencer and she was doing a clubhouse for publicists and telling them, and she's like, you know what? Don't even come to us if you're not skim links ready. And I was like, I don't even know what the fuck means, but I got to go figure it out now. Yeah. <laughs> wow. You know, so things like that, like, and it's just little nuggets along the way. So you just got to keep your eyes and ears open. But I think that the beauty community has online and through, you know, webinars, podcasts, things like that. So many funnels of information, which is so great. But my favorite beauty influencer of all time is going to be Caroline Hirons. It has nothing to do with yeah. hair loss and nothing to do really with makeup so much, but because <laughs> she's more skincare. Did she talk about hair loss? No, no, no. No, that's no. not. Okay. Yeah. So it's nothing to do with, with this brand in terms of our, well, yes, it does for skincare launches that we'll do, but for this particular hero collection, it's not so much, but if anybody wants a really cool skincare influencer, definitely go listen to her. <laughs> I can't like go anywhere without reading an article. I was just reading an article about, you know, controversy that is clean beauty. And she was cited like 17 times or whatever. Like I can't oh, think funny. of a more famous. <laughs> she's so funny. <laughs> beauty influencer at this point. I know. Crazy. It's crazy. Okay. So last thing, one, I want to know how people can support you and your brand, but I also want to know, you know, a couple of products on your shelf. Yeah, thank you. So we're on Instagram and TikTok and Facebook with the same handle, which is Me Cosmetics USA. It's not because I'm a, you know, proud patriot of my American, but it was just the best way. We're, we're splitting up my region. So 
that's where you can find us on there. And then our website is mecosmetics.com. And then if you, if anybody ever has questions, you can email us at info at mecosmetics.com and our customer care team will direct those inquiries to the right place if it's not for customer care specifically. So that's the easiest way to get in touch with us. And definitely check out our TikToks. I know they're so good. They're so good. <laughs> I'm going to buy something and I'm going to try it. And I'm, I'm really excited. I was, there's not one person that I've now interviewed that I've been like, I'm buying this. <laughs> I'm getting out of it. This is this is all a vanity project so that I can buy things. There you go. There you go. <laughs> and then my favorite things on my shelf. I've always got my Ilya mascara. Oh, the best. This is I bought like 16 of these. It's the best. And they had them on FabFitFun in their add-on sale. And so you can buy So I bought, I don't think they are, they haven't offered them lately, but I I bought a bunch through those because I made several. It's the best mascara. It's really good. It's not waterproof. So it doesn't hold its weight in even a drop of water. (laughs) Don't wear it if you're a crier, people. Yeah. Or even just get, if you get really sweaty in Arizona, I got to put like a lot of powder underneath my eye. Yeah. But uh, so that's like one of my favorite things. I really like the sunscreen I generally use is Super Goop's Play. I don't have oily or dry skin. It's kind of regular skin. And I know for some people, it's probably a bit oily for them if you have an oily skin condition. But I love that they, because I'm a big fan of SPF, like I said, but I'm not a big fan of paying a lot for SPF because I just don't like to do that. I just don't think it's necessary. When you go through it so quick, when you got to do your face, your neck, your hands, like it's just... I'd rather, you know, get great SPF and they've got their play in a pump bottle. Oh, you got the big one? Oh yeah. I go through one of those a month. (laughs) Really? I need to graduate. I'm like still using the small one and I'm like doing little lines so I don't go over the number. Oh yeah. No, here it's great because you go like pump and it's and it's and it's at a great price point. Fantastic price point. So if anybody's looking for really high quality SPFs, I mean all the ones that are out there FDA tested in high quality. So I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say. But and then the other thing, so I never leave my house without my mascara and it's always almost always the Ilya mascara because I try other ones. I don't like their other one to be honest. Their big volumizing one. I found it really clumpy. Oh but really? This, this is yeah. At least that was my experience. But this which is this lash. one? Yeah, the, the limitless one I lash. I yeah, use the limitless lash. Yeah, yeah. I love this brush and the other one doesn't have the same brush. It has like a big fat round brush. So it's oh no, I love this like poly synthetic like comb brush. I love that. It's it's a big game changer. So I leave my house with that, with my super group play on and with my scalp foundation. And if I have those three things on, I'm good to go almost anywhere. Right. And then also milk has the, it's like a cream blush stick, but you know, with those, those different things, like those four things, I'm pretty much good to go almost anywhere. And then if I want a complexion product for my skin, I really like the Ilia Super Serum Skin Tint. Again, I don't think it's probably good for people who have very oily skin or don't like that that glowy. And it is uber glowy. <laughs> We're not going to call it mild dew. It's super glowy. Is a great product. I don't use it as an SPF. I'm actually not a huge fan. And I hope this isn't too controversial, but I'm not a big fan of products with SPF in a complexion products as my SPF protection. I just don't find it sufficient because I know- oh, like you'll use them. You just won't use them alone. Exactly. So I won't, I will not rely on that for my SPF because if you have to see how much the dermatologists have explained very clearly in the ones I was talking about, especially online or any dermatologist, how much product you actually have to put on your skin. Cause I think it's like two milligrams per square centimeter of skin of SPF to get the actual rating. Cause that's what they use when they do the FDA testing for the SPF rating. And- that's a lot of product. So I love my It Cosmetics CC cream. It's fantastic if I'm doing a night out, but there's no way I'm putting that much on my skin because <laughs> that one packs a lot of punch. So I like the the Ilia. I don't use it for my SPF. I know some people do. I just think 
that's a lot of makeup you'd have to have on your face to get that SPF protection. Although I love the added, in addition to benefit on top of my regular SPF or the cosmetics bye-bye under eye is just a small little, very, very heavy, like very, very full coverage product. But it's super light in the sense that you, if you use just a little tiny dot, you can basically cover most of your face with that, with the most beautiful. Yeah. But you've got to use very little. Can you get it at Ulta? Yeah. And so when I'm traveling, I usually only travel with that for my makeup. Like that, the milk, the ilia, my scalp foundation. And for my lips, I often use, I like the makeup by Mario lipsticks. Oh, I love Mario's stuff. So good. It's so good. The issue I have is that for me, color, like shade matching is hard online. So you always have to go into a store. And so... So I haven't, I've only like tried a couple shades, but I got to go and try more of his stuff because I'm waiting for the contour stick to come. Never really contoured. I don't know how to do it. So I'm going to figure it out, but it's been sold out for ages. So I'm waiting eagerly for that to come in. And then if I don't use that, because that's just, that's actually like a coverage lipstick. I'm just using regular lip stuff. Like what I have on now is actually the Ilia lip tint. I don't know what it's called, but it's like, so that's what I have on now. So it's like a semi-transparent kind of glossy lipstick. Yeah. Ilia, you know, I love Ilia and I always will, but I'm shocked that most of the products they originally launched with don't exist anymore. Like that to me is very bizarre. I love the brand. I always will. But when I go look at Ilia, I'm like, it was like six initial lipsticks or whatever when it launched. I'm like, I don't even think those colors exist anymore. And they had some great colors. They had a color called Jump that was like a magenta and it was beautiful. But Anyway, definitely uh, give Camille a follow. Definitely check out TikTok for every single reason because it's the best place on earth. But thank you so much, Camille. This has been terrific. I'm excited to try and I'll post a reel. I'll I'll try it out and let you guys know what I think. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you so much, Izzy. It's been so fun to be part of this. And I really appreciate the opportunity to share the messages with your audience. And, you know, just one last word I have for people out there. If you are experiencing a concern such as hair loss, know that you're not alone. There are, there are millions of us out there who are with you. And you just got to find your people who will help you and support you in that journey. So that's the community. And there are many of communities who do this, but that's, that's the role we really want to fill. So, you know, let us know, but always know you're never alone. 